What does your uh, what does your prayer life look like? What does your prayer life look like? I've asked this question before. I, I asked the same question last year at about this time, but but it bears asking again. I think it, it bears asking repeatedly. What does your prayer life look like? What is prayer even? Is it like throwing up some some wishes or some requests, like maybe trying to offer the right words in hopes that God would uh, grant you and I the things that we want in return? Is it really much different than I think of Geppetto wishing on a star that a puppet would become a real boy? I, I mean, our prayers aren't quite as fantastical as that. Probably, maybe yours are, I don't know. But is your prayer life really much different than maybe like wearing a rally cap when your team is down in the bottom of the ninth? Is prayer more than just like trying to do the right things just in case it has some sort of bearing on the outcome, but maybe not fully bought in to to what we're doing? For for many, I think, our relationship with God often uh, looks less like a relationship and more like superstition. And this can be evidenced in your prayer lives. What does your prayer life look like? Maybe you've heard stories of some like giants of the faith, right, who have uh, had these incredible experiences with God. God gives them a vision or God gives them a word. He gives them a poem. He gives them a song. He speaks to them in some sort of way. And for many of us, I think that that seems kind of foreign. That seems a little bit out there that God would actually talk to us and speak with us. We know that those things all happen, like throughout the actual Bible, right? We believe that God spoke directly to, say, like Moses through a burning bush. He spoke to uh, the prophets in many ways. He gave a revelation uh, to John in, in, in a vision. But it seems like we'd often like it to stay there, like in the old stories in the Bible, rather than here in our modern lives. Maybe we believe that it's just for the super spiritual Right? But it's not for you and I. Or maybe we've just been burned by false prophets and and TV preachers who claim to have uh, heard from God, but who are clearly uh, trying to prey on the poor and on the sick to line their own pockets. And so maybe, understandably, the the uber-spiritual experiences kind of tend to make us suspicious. Or maybe we actually do wish for our own like, miraculous encounter with God. Like maybe we think that if only we could hear him speak, if only we could meet with him, then we'd find the strength to quit doing this or to start doing that. But also, I mean, if we're honest, we often neglect the invitation to spend time being with Jesus regularly in word and in prayer, don't we? I get it. Like reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, maybe journaling, memorizing uh, scripture, meditating on scripture, uh, those kind of spiritual disciplines, they can start to feel kind of rote, especially if you're not doing them. The whole practice just seems rote, like, like it's just a going through the motions. Or maybe it's just hard to get still. Maybe it's hard to get quiet. Like maybe there's, there's no time for you. Maybe your life doesn't actually look like an Instagram-worthy, you know, quiet time at sunrise with your coffee arranged next to your Bible and your collection of highlighters. Maybe 
Your morning is more like herding children out the door at the last minute to try to get to school. Or maybe it's rushing out the last minute just to try to get to work or to your next appointment. And that just leads to one thing to another to another until you come home tired and exhausted and ready for bed. It'd be nice to be able to do a quiet time right then at bed, but then you just fall asleep because you're exhausted. Maybe it just feels like you don't have time. Maybe time with God just seems like another thing to cram into a day. It's just another thing that you can fail at. Especially if it's something that you're not really sure is worth that much anyways or or will just make you feel guilty in the end. Like I said, I talked about this last year at about this time, and that's because we at Redemption Church, we kind of try to set this time of year, I don't know what this time of year is called, hot into fall, that season, uh, right? At this time of year, we try to kind of refocus and we try to practice together being with Jesus. And so we do that because I think if we examine our prayer life, if we look at our time with God, a lot of the stuff we just talked about will come up for a lot of us. But I also think that most of us actually do desire some intentional time with Jesus. We know it's good. We know what, what it's, it's what we need the most. And if we could all just, I think we just in this season need an intentional like reminder and a little encouragement and a little push back in the right direction. So each year we come back to being with Jesus in this season. That said, over the course of the next couple of months, we're going to be spending time practicing the Lord's Prayer together in our missional communities. Now, last year we talked through the Lord's Prayer on Sundays in our Sunday gathering. Uh, This year we're going to be actually walking through the Gospel of John through this next season and into the spring on Sundays. That's where we're going to be. Just kind of looking at who Jesus really is and what he's really like and what he's done. We're going to be looking at that together on Sundays. But in our missional communities, we're going to practice the Lord's Prayer together, and we're going to use it to guide us into a regular, intentional time just to be with Jesus. We're also going to be uh, giving you some resources to help you spend time with Jesus while practicing praying the Lord's Prayer individually. So we're going to do it as a community. We're going to do it also individually. And I think what we hope is to encourage one another towards a prayer life that's less like obligatory or superstitious and is more conversational. It's more relational. What I hope is that in this season, you and I, we will discover that prayer and time being with Jesus is not merely like a superstitious activity. And it's something that we uh, don't just have to get right and do, I hope we find that it's a friendship, that it's a transformative relationship with God. And I hope you find that being with Jesus isn't just for the super spiritual. It's actually what you were made for. Throughout Scripture, it's evident that God desires a relationship with his people. Like he didn't create people to to go through the motions, to appease him, to to do prayer time at some sort of uh, like appeasing act a one-way offering up to God where where we're left kind of wondering whether he received it, whether he heard it, whether he's going to act in our favor in response or not. No. He wanted to be with his people. He wanted to talk to them. He wants to hear from them. Like in Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, God is walking in the Garden of Eden, coming to talk with Adam and Eve, calling out for them. God talked with Noah 
God talked with Abraham. Like I said already, God talked with Moses through a burning bush. He delivered his people from Egypt, and then he had them build a tabernacle, which is actually a place where he could come and he could be with his people. And you fast forward to the New Testament, because uh, you could just keep going on and on about how God was with his people in the Old Testament. Fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus is actually given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he was here among us, walking on the earth, befriending, not like just the super spiritual and the elite rigid, religious leaders and the most influential, but everyday people, the least likely, the fishermen, the tax collectors, the women who were outcasts, and so on. Jesus didn't just come and like have people bow down to him and, and offer up their wishes or, or jump through his hoops. He came to be with us. He came to befriend us. Like I said, we're going to be uh, beginning the Gospel of John on Sunday, starting next week. And in John 15, which we visited many times over the last few years together, we find Jesus and his disciples are talking with one another at the Last Supper. It's actually some of the last words Jesus would have had uh, with his disciples before being arrested and then crucified. And he encourages them to abide in him, to stay connected, to stay bonded with him. More than that, I love what he tells them. It's John 15, verse 13 through 15. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus calls his disciples friends. And that same night, he's taken into custody and soon to lay down his life for those who he called friends. Jesus calls his followers friends, not just the super Christians and the monks and the giants of the faith and the saints and the martyrs, but you, Christian. Jesus calls you friend. You are a friend of God's, and he laid down his life for you. And this is how he relates to you. This is how he loves you. This is what he calls you. I have called you friends, he says in John. I think I can only rely on the Holy Spirit to do the work of making that land on us. That he calls us friends. It's such good news. I need to believe it. I think you need to believe it. Because if we believe that he calls us friends, I think it changes our perspective. And it changes the way we look at making time to be with Jesus. Because the call to be called a friend of God's is much different than being called a servant. Right? A servant may go about following God or following a master's orders out of fear, out of obligation. Like you may try to make time to be with him because he said so and because you're supposed to. And if you don't, well, I mean, that's something else to feel guilty about and who knows what the consequences are going to be. But friendship really is different. Like friends dine together. They talk with each other. They get to know each other intimately and deeply. They share the depths of themselves with one another. They know each other through and through. And they lay themselves down. They sacrifice and give to one another generously because they love one another deeply. And that's how Jesus relates to you. His sacrifice 
wasn't just an obligation. It was an act of love for those who he calls friends. It was an act done to make a way for our friendship with God to be restored and to flourish. How does that truth impact how we relate to God then? What does it mean to be a friend of God's? How is it reflected in your prayer life? In studying the Lord's Prayer from Matthew's Gospel, Martin Martin Lloyd-Jones considered the disciples' prayer life, and he wrote this. He said that they saw how Jesus would arise like a great while before dawn, and he would go up into the mountains to pray, and how he would spend whole nights in prayer. And sometimes, I have no doubt, he says, that they said to themselves, what does he talk about? What does he do? I may also have thought, like, I find after a few minutes in prayer that I come to the end of my words. What is it that enables him to be drawn out in prayer? What is it that leads to this ease and to this abandonment? Lord, they said, teach us how to pray. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray in Luke chapter 11, which is the Lord's Prayer from Luke. We normally find the whole thing over in Matthew, but he says this in Luke 11, 1 through 13, if you follow along with me. It'll be on the screen. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his, fa- if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he's asked for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We can't unpack all of that right now, but but as we enter into a season of practicing the Lord's Prayer, I think this passage from Luke's Gospel helps us better imagine uh, what we're called into when we're called into prayer, what we are invited into when, when we're invited in to talk with God, when we're invited into a relationship with God. I mean, Jesus says to imagine prayer as going to a friend on behalf of a friend. You knock on the door, you make your petition, and the friend answers back and can't ignore it. A friend answers. He also says to imagine a child asking something of their father. Like the Lord's Prayer isn't some superstitious uh, ritual like rubbing a rabbit's foot or, or carrying a lucky coin. It's an invitation to step into a conversation with God, to learn how to hear him and to get to know him deeply and to see how he knows you through and through and he loves you deeply just as you are. 
like I said, we went through the Lord's Prayer last year, and I've personally used the Lord's Prayer now for some time, just practicing walking through it slowly and repeatedly, uh, just letting it guide my prayers. And, and I've found that there's, there's nothing that the Lord's Prayer, I, I don't think, there's nothing even in the Bible that it doesn't cover, in all honesty. There's nothing that we could pray that it doesn't cover. It's really deep. It's really wide. And it served to lead me into an ongoing conversation with God, like just learning to plumb the depths of who God is and what he does and who I am to him and who we are to him and how he guides us uh, to live. And I can use it when I'm alone and when I'm quiet, and I can use it even in a moment when I only have a moment to pray, and it leads me into a conversation with him. I might pray that first line, our Father in heaven. And that prayer, like, so often reminds me that I am his child. And that he's with me, and he's not just with me, but actually, like, I'm united with him, but I'm also united with all of you, with, with all of God's children. And it's such a reminder, especially, like, in a time of loneliness or, or a time of conflict, maybe, even with others. And then that, remind, that reminder will consistently lead me into uh, prayers of thanksgiving, maybe even supplication for others. Later in the prayer, I might pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread, and then I'll pray that, and I'm reminded, just, just in saying it, give us this day our daily bread, I'm reminded I should be satisfied with what he has for me today, and in this present moment, and then that leads to another conversation, because I'll be like, well, actually, like, I kind of wanted more from this sermon. You know, I, I actually wanted more from that meeting, and I wanted more from this conversation with my wife, or with my kids, or with my friend, or with the guy on the street, or wherever, and actually, even, I, I, just, I just thought I'd have bigger and better things by now. God, I, I believe that you've given me all I need and that whatever you give is all that I need, but I'm struggling to be content in it. All that comes out of just like, give us this day our daily bread. There's a whole confession that happens, and he's meeting me in it. And over and over and over again, I find that as I pray the prayer and have the conversation, he provides all that I need and I'm given, a rest, given rest, at least in the moment, I'm strengthened in my belief that whatever he gives will truly be enough for the day, as we talked about a lot in Ecclesiastes. And that's all I really need anyways. You see, this whole prayer, it leads me into a conversational relationship with God. I think it leads us into a conversational, transformational relationship with God. I'm going to share one more verse with you. It's Romans 8. 26 through 27, it says this. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I love that so much. Because what I don't get right in my prayers the Spirit takes care of. Like that just gives me so much permission. I think it gives us so much permission to step out of like the rote, going through the motions. It gives me permission to let prayer be what it is. It's a conversation with God. It's not a performance. So when I miss a day in my reading plan or when I miss a page in my journal, this verse is what I need to hear. And what's more, my experience is that praying the Lord's Prayer leads me into a conversation with the Lord uh, with ease. And that it actually kind of allows me to press my ear 
in to hear the types of prayers the Spirit actually must be praying for us on our behalf. Which leads me to know the heart of God more and more. And that leads to a friendship and intimacy. And that's what it's all about. Knowing each other through and through. John Ortberg said, I tend to be so suspicious and put off by the abuse of the God told me so language that I tend to go the other extreme and I close myself off from the possibility of God talking to us or having a conversation with him. Maybe you can relate to that. I know I can. I've been there. Still, still am sometimes. What I, I, I hope to invite you into this morning is just to see the great possibility that Though Jesus has often been misrepresented, and many have used the idea of God speaking to abuse people, God is still the same. God himself is not abusive, and he's not playing favorites and only talking with elite leaders and the super spiritual. And The, the truth about God is that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And there's no greater love than that of a friend who would lay down his life for another. And what he's communicated, what Jesus Christ has communicated in word and in deed throughout history is that he desires a relationship with us. He desires a relationship with you and that you were made for a friendship with God. And so my hope and prayer is that we will open ourselves up over the next few months to learn to live in a more conversational relationship with God. And that through this we'll experience um, and taste and see that the Lord is good and friendship with him for us is life. That's what I'm inviting you into this morning is just to, as we go through this hot to fall season, to, to set aside time and space in this season to be with Jesus. Like walk through these practices with us. We're going to do some stuff intentionally. I'm going to ask you to prioritize it and do it with us. We're going to equip you with a, like, a lot of opportunities to actually practice being with Jesus. When we gather in our missional communities, it's not going to be a bunch of videos. It's not going to be a bunch of teaching. It's going to be a bunch of practicing, praying together, and being with Jesus together. We're going to make space to practice conversationally praying the Lord's, together, Lord's Prayer together in our communities. And we're also going to give you uh, some, some stuff to help you practice doing that individually on a daily basis. And that, the point of those individual practices isn't to fill out every page. I just really want us to hear that, right? It's not to fill out every page. I want you to fill out every page. I want you to be with Jesus every day. But the point isn't to fill out every page or beat yourself up if you miss a day. That's not, this is not meant to be a season of guilt and an exercise and a practice of guilt. The point is to encourage you repeatedly to make space to be with Jesus. Because as you do that, you'll find again and again that he loves you and desires a friendship with you. Maybe if we give you a bunch of pages and you see you miss the page, just turn to the next page and see that he's given you another opportunity to meet with him and to be with him. That's a grace. That's a mercy. It's not a guilt. He wants to talk with you. He wants you to talk with him. He wants to tell you how he deeply loves you and how he wants to let you know him through and through as he knows you. And so this morning, as we close, I just want to invite you just to pause and to ask yourself the question that we started with. What does your prayer life 
look like? Do you have one? Is it consistent or is it sporadic? Is it conversational or is it superstitious or is it obligation? What does your prayer look, prayer life look like? Whatever it looks like, we're here now. I think there's no better place. You're here right now in a church service while meeting with Jesus together. So maybe there's no better time and space to just spend a few minutes being with Jesus. Maybe just as we move into a time of response, you can close your eyes and be with him and just start with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And just let the weight of that statement like lead the way into a conversation with him. Just spend the next several moments of response and through communion and worship through singing uh, as we do all of those time, all of these things, this Make it a space where you're meeting and being with Jesus, where we are practicing doing that together. Have freedom to meet with Jesus in these few moments. He's surely with us right now and always. We're going to move into that. And as we do each week, the band will come and they'll lead us in the time of worship through singing. Uh, we're going to come and we'll take communion. Uh, you can give your tithes and offerings in the back. If that's something you already do, uh, it slips out of your bank account. Take a moment and, and, and remember God as your provider and worship him for that uh, through your giving. Uh, and as we come, we're coming and we're going to take some bread. We're going to dip it in the wine or the juice. This is, of, cor of course, rec representing the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for you, that was given for us. And so when we come and we do this, we're remembering uh, and proclaiming that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's done what he said he would do, that he is our Lord and Savior he is our friend, and there's no greater love than that of a friend who would lay his life down for us. And he did that, and he rose again, and he's given us new life, and he's made us a family. And so if that's what you believe, and you can profess that truth, whether you're a member at Redemption Church or not, we just invite you to come and remember Jesus together. Come and proclaim Jesus in this way together as we do this. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and when you feel free, you come and take with us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We are yours. We are your children. We are your sons and daughters. We are brothers with Jesus Christ. We are friends of God. God, let us know who you are. May your Holy Spirit like, just continue to let that truth land on us. Let that good news land on us that, that we are yours, that we are your friends, that we are your 
children, that you are our Father. And you are with us. You are with us always. You've crushed mountains and pulled up valleys to make your way, to make it possible. You are with us. You didn't you didn't do that to make us you know read the Bible every day and check off the list to, to appease you. You did it to be with us. You did it so we could be with you. You did it so we could have life. That's life for us. Hallowed be your name, God. Let us know you for who you really are and let us see you as you really are and therefore see who we are really to you. I I truly believe that that will change the whole world. I truly believe that that is where that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it in heaven. That's where it starts and that's how it happens as, as we get to know you for who you really are. You change us from the inside out. You let us know who we really are are changed and so we find contentment and we find joy and we find peace we find hope we become the light that gives all those things to others and makes you known to others and justice spreads give us this day our daily bread Give us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Let us be uh, people who are living under a kingdom of God that has already come in Jesus Christ. It's already happening. That we live under the true King Jesus, and we know that that means we're forgiven. And that means that we live under the kind of kingdom that He rules, which is a kingdom that brings forgiveness, that spreads mercy. And so it flows through us to others. Make you more known here at Redemption Church, but beyond these walls and in our community. And that's what